I don't know about you, but some uh, road trips can feel longer than others. Some can feel shorter than others. Um, I, I don't know if you ever go to Chicago, but it feels like every time I go to Chicago, I ask myself the question, are we there yet? Because between constructions and tolls to pay for the construction that's slowing me down, it just feels like a really long journey. Or uh, maybe sometimes, you know, all the kids sleep right, the entire way there, and it's just really calm, and everybody drives 10 over, so, you know, if you get pulled over, you can just say, I'm going with the flow of the traffic, whatever that, whatever that excuse means, but, um, and, and, and you don't have to ask that question, right, and it just feels like your journey just goes really smooth. Um, I know uh, we have had our fair share of difficult uh, drives, journeys, places, trips, places uh, before. I'm sure you all have your own stories. Um, one in particular always sticks out to me. We were driving three hours. Uh, we had all of our dogs with us. We had three dogs at the time, no kid, just three dogs. Now we have three kids and two dogs, so things are going really well. But, <clears throat> and we had three dogs, and they must have eaten some, like, bad food or something, and <laughs> some of you know, um, you've been there before, yeah, and so they vomited and had diarrhea all the way home, and so by the time we got home, the smell and the cleanup, I mean, it just... It just really stuck with you, um, and it stuck with the carpets for a while, too, but we got it finally cleaned out, um, and, and that's just, you know, it's, it's not fun when you have that, and I, and I get it. I know some of you are like, well, Taylor, that's why you got to get cats, um, <laughs> I, and I understand where you're coming from. I just, I just really think uh, for most of you cat people, you don't realize this, but your cats are actually glad when you're gone, you know? <laughs> They're just glad that you're out of the house and they got the whole place to themselves and they're just living their best lives where dogs, they actually love you and they miss you. Yeah, and they want to come with you. They want to be with you. Yes, so just something to stew on. If you take anything away from today's message, that's one thing. Um, yeah, so, I, I, and I know this is what I'm going to say next is, is really just true of all road trips, all road trips that we've ever been on. I know it's just kind of like, yeah, this is just pretty obvious, Taylor. But I think it's really important to set us up for the conversation today is just to take to, a moment to acknowledge that we all want to get to our destination, right? None of us want to get lost. None of us want to get off the road. We all want to get to our destination. Otherwise, why go on the trip to begin with? right? And this is why I think this analogy of a road trip is, is really uh, resonant of, um, of life in general, that, that it's like a perfect analogy in a lot of ways to life. Like, for example, if you think about your career, you want to get to your destination when it comes to your career, right? You, you may not know what your destination is, or maybe you know what it is. You know, you have that vision of, of you know, what your desk and your office looks like one day in your career, or how much you make in your career, right? That, and you find it to be fulfilling, and have purpose, and, you know, a boss that respects you, and a compensation package that pays for all of your, you know, desires, and hopes, and dreams. You know, that's, that's your destination. Um, otherwise, you know, there's a part of you that says, why go on the trip? Uh, others of you, you know, when you look at your life, you say, I want to, you know, I want to live a full life. I want to live to a ripe old age. That's the journey I want to go on. And it's frustrating if things get in the way of that. If, if health is compromised or um, there's, there's construction <laughs> or repairs along the way in, in your life. Um, family, we, we want our families uh, to um, go really well and, and smooth, right? Um, we want our families to... Um, get along. Um, we want, when we get together for holidays and we go on a journey together, we want everybody to just have a happy holidays, right? But sometimes that doesn't always go 
the way we planned it. Um, our romantic lives, um, some of you have, you know, you're in an established romantic life, you've been there for a long time, and your journey's getting, maybe you feel a little long on your journey, we could talk about that too, but others of you, you know, and you're, the, you're in the romance stage, and, and uh, everything's exciting, you know, and you want to find the ones. Some of you have found too many ones, but, you know, you just want to find that one, get to the destination, and, and uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy the trip. We all want to get to that place, but like roads, life comes up, right? Life happens, and things don't always go so smoothly, and, uh, you know, you have construction, you have breakdowns, but I think the worst thing, this is just my opinion, but the worst thing, and I'll be honest, it doesn't happen all that much anymore, right up next to um, the, the people that hold the signs and you have to stop and go and stop and go and you're like, there's no other cars on the other side, can I not go? But they're like having issues with the walkie-talkies and it's really frustrating, you know that moment? Other than that, the next most frustrating moment, in my opinion, is when you hit a detour. When you're on a journey, you're trying to get somewhere and you see the detour sign. Because at no other place in driving do you actually find yourself getting farther away from where you want to go, except when you're on a detour, right? You sit there and you're wondering, like, why is this detour taking me so far away from the road I actually want to be on? And detour, I mean, just detours in general are not that enjoyable. They're not fun, and it adds, you know, 30 plus minutes, it feels like, to the GPS, and you're trying, anybody try to beat the GPS? You know, you get your GPS time, and you're like, I'm going to beat that. You just watch, honey, five minutes at least, you know what I'm saying? Some of you, you're just intense like that, right? Um, but, and that's where, you know, it parallels back into life again. You think about, you know, romance, and, and the excitement of starting a new journey with someone new, and dreamy, and amazing, and handsome, or beautiful, and you're just going along, you, you jump in the car together, and you're just going. You don't even know where you're going. doesn't matter. I mean, look at his eyes, you know? <laughs> look at her. Just, we're, just, we're just going, you know? And your mom and your dad are calling you like, hey, you should probably, you know, get out of the car. I'm not sure if he's the right, she's the right one for you. And your friends are like, you need to, you know, find somebody else. But you're like, no, this is, this is the one until you realize if you actually look out the window, because your eyes aren't even on the road. You don't know where you're going. And you realize that he doesn't know where he's going. You know, some of you have been on that road a couple times, that, that trip a couple times, right? And you realize they don't know where you're going, and so you got a choice to make. Do you either spend the rest of your life with them, not, going, not knowing where you're going, and you're just going to be lost together? Which some people choose that route. We're just going to be lost together, you know? And then there's others of you who, you know, say, okay, well, i, I got to find a different trip here because this is not the one I want to be on. I'm going to listen to mom and dad. Or some, some of you, you know, your family, you're on a family journey, and uh, your family, um, especially when you all get together or something, you're going to go on a trip together. I'm talking not just your, you know, immediate family. I'm talking your extended family. You know, you're all in the car together, and you got so many backseat drivers. You know who I'm talking about? You know, your backseat drivers. And, and you didn't plan on going in on a detour, but considering all the stops you have to make, the turns you have to make, the potty breaks you have to make, and all the backseat drivers in the back, you know, through the ages of like one, one to 60, it's like you practically are on a detour, and you're wondering if you're ever going to get there, and you're so frustrated. You sit to, thinking to yourself, am I going to get there? When, are we there yet? Or in a job, you know, you got a boss, and your boss has some requirements or expectations of you to get to this place, and you just sit there and like, why, why am I doing this project? Because this is, has no impact on our bottom line. This has no impact on my job or performance review. This has no impact on what we actually want to accomplish, and it just feels like a giant detour, and it's frustrating. And it leaves you a little exasperated, right? And so I want to, for the next four weeks, 
give you four rules of life. That's why we're calling this series, Are You There Yet? We're using this analogy of, of a trip. Four rules of life so that when detours come up, you can handle them better. You may actually enjoy the journey along the way. You're going to be a lot less stressed out, a lot less anxious along the way. And I think this is just going to be really fun and really practical. So that's what we're going to do next four weeks. So, so don't miss any of the next four weeks. What I want to do today to get into, you know, rule number one is I want to start by asking you a series of questions. And I just, you know, you don't have to respond out loud, but you just think process in your mind, okay? If we're using, you know, a road trip as an analogy for life, okay, I just want to ask you these questions about your life. Okay, ready for number one? Here we go. Why are you speeding? And I know a lot of you are speeders in general in the car, but you know, like in life, why, why are you speeding so much? Why are you just so fast? Gotta go, gotta get this, get, you know, check this box, get this taken care of. Why are you so stressed? Like stress in America is like just through the roof, anxiety and, and just pressure. It just, why, why are you stressed? Why are you driving stress through life? Some of you, you're like beyond stress. You're just tired now. Why are you falling asleep at the wheel? You want to get to your destination, right? We established that, but, but yet you just can barely keep your eyes awake. You got, you just, you've given up almost. You're just kind of defeated and feeling behind. So you either got, you know, you're gripping the wheel, you're yelling at other drivers stressed, or, or you're just feeling tired, or, or you're barely just stopping. You're, bar- you're just rushing through. You're barreling through life, and weeks are just, just flying by. Why, why are we doing that to ourselves these days? And I get you maybe in a different season right now where things are, you know, a-okay, but you know the seasons of life where you're just, one of those things applies to you. You know, it's just, it's just wild. And you're not slowing down. I, I personally have a big problem um, with highway hypnosis. I thought that was a really silly thing when I read it in my driver's ed book, going through driver's ed all those years ago. I'm like, what? This, it, it just really stood out to me. Why is this a thing? How can someone get hypnotized while driving? And I just let you know, as I drove and drove and drove, I have a terrible case of highway hypnosis. That if I haven't slept well the night before, I can barely keep my eye. It's just, it's incredible. My wife, you can ask Stephanie. I think she's down in kids today. You can ask her. She will hit me in a loving way, in a way to keep us all safe. Okay? I think, actually. Now that, now that we're talking this out, I, I don't know. She'll pinch me. Okay, yeah. All right. So anyways, <laughs> she'll try to keep me awake. Okay, that's the point. All right? I just cannot stay awake if I don't get a good night of sleep the night before. But, you know, I just, I got to get more things done. I got to stay up. I got to get that next thing taken care of. And so I just want to ask, why do we go through life like this? Why are you going through life like this? I mean, I think there's some obvious answers. Like, you know, some of us just have bad boundaries. Some of us have some bad prioritization in our life. We're not prioritizing the right things at the right time. But the biggest reason, and also the thing that I think um, is the easiest to understand and also fix is the thing that I want to talk to you about today. And, and the way to kind of tee this up is to go through three verses just really quick, back to back to back. I think the biggest reason is we don't trust God and how we were created to live. And we've talked about this before, but I'm going to kind of put it in a different framework to hopefully, you know, hit it home a little differently today. 
okay? And I get, for some of you, if you're skeptical about faith, this is the first time back in church in a long time, you're like, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. This is going to be so intensely practical that you're going to have to really wrestle with the fact that, oh, God came up with this thousands of years ago, okay? This is how we're created, at least in the Christian tradition, this is how we're created, okay? And this could actually help you today, because that's ultimately what God's about. He cares for you, he loves you, and he's trying to help you. We just, well... We just get behind the wheel and we're not ready to drive. We're not in a good place ready to drive through life. And we drive by God all the time. And God's just like on the side of the road. Hey, just trying to help. And you're like, I don't got time for that. Okay, we'll get there. Okay, so anyways, Genesis 1, okay, very beginning. Okay, here's what the Christian tradition says. It says um, yeah, there was darkness, there was chaos, and everything was void. Okay, I mean, it just is a mess. Okay, and into this void, into this chaos, God comes in and in six days brings order out of chaos. There's a lot of ways to look at Genesis. I think we're going to do a series next year about Genesis is going to be a lot of fun and get messed with a couple of you, but it's going to be fun. Anyways, and so it makes an order out of chaos, six days. Then on this last period of time of creation, God does something really incredible, something that we don't do very often. Here's what he did on the seventh day. God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work, and then God blessed the seventh day and made it Holy, bless the day. That's what he did that day. He just, I'm just going to bless this day. How many of you sit back ever and just, you know, hey, I really, I'm grateful for this day. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to bless this day in my heart. I'm going to be grateful. I'm just going to rest in this day and be grateful for it. Fast forward a few hundred plus thousand years. And, and the nation of Israel is coming out of Egypt. You may have heard that story when you grew up in Sunday school. The nation of Israel is coming out of Egypt. It's called the exile. There's the plagues and all that stuff. And Jesus is like, not Jesus, excuse me, Pharaoh, excuse me, different guy. Pharaoh is like, you know, um, or Moses rather is like, oh, oh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, no, no. And oh, oh, let my people go. You know how the song goes. Okay. Anyways, if you grew up in church, you know, you didn't miss it if you didn't grow up in church, but there's just a song that goes with this. Anyways. And so the exiles are leaving the nation of Egypt. They're going to go out and become a new nation. And God says, when you become a new nation, there is, but there's like 10 things actually eventually to become 600 things I really need you to do to, for your benefit. But there's one of those 10 really important things that everybody knows really well is to rest. He says, six days you shall labor. New nation, brand new nation, a nation that only knows work because they were slaves in Egypt. You shall labor for six days and do all your work. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath day to the Lord your God. And on it, on this very special seventh day, just like I, God, rested in creation, you should not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male or female servant nor your animals, nor even the foreigner residing among you in your towns. Like literally everybody just needs to stop and take a breather and rest. And rest just didn't look like sleep. Rest looked more broadly because um, Jesus modeled this too. And we know he cared about uh, the day of rest because he got in arguments about it. We've talked about those arguments that Jesus got with other people about this before. But one of the other things I wanted to point out to you was how many times Jesus took a break to not just rest, but he took a break to pray. Here's what um, I think Mark says about this. Um, yeah, Mark. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowds after leaving them, he went up on the mountains to pray. In fact, 
about almost a dozen times in the four gospel accounts, the accounts of Jesus' life and ministry, they mention how Jesus stopped, sent everybody away, and went and prayed. This wasn't just sleep. This wasn't just sitting back on the couch. Rest could take a lot of different forms. A break could take a lot of different forms. And that's why I want to broaden our understanding of sitting back and taking a break once in a while and taking some rest. Based on God's command, Jesus lived life with what I want to call or introduce some of you to, this idea of margin, okay? That's what we want to talk to you about today, margin. This incredible space that we're going to give ourselves. Specifically, what margin is, is a space between our limit, or excuse me, a space between our load and our limit. I should just read the slide. Okay. Load and our limit. Okay. Our load is what we have currently on, in our hands or on our shoulders in this very moment. Okay. So if we're driving a car, for example, very excited driving a car. We got some friends in the car. Okay. We got, you know, five seats in the car and four of them are full. We have a one-seat margin. And the incredible thing about margin that we don't do these days, we live life stressed and busy and speeding through. What we could do, though, is we could leave a seat of margin. That way, when the plans change, we don't run out of space. We don't exceed our limit. When the plan changed, you got a six-person, okay? Let's say you, you know, your load is five and you got your limit is five. You got five seats and five people. Then plans change and you get a six person. You've done this before, haven't you? Where do you put the six person? Somebody's lap, you know? I mean, they're just spread across everybody in the back or something. Now you're, you're driving with someone who doesn't have a seatbelt on and you can tell me that you are just, you know, live life without fear and you're just, you know, awesome and strong and all that. But there's deep down inside you, as you drive without someone in the back having a seatbelt on, there's a part of you that's sitting there like, I hope we don't get in an accident. And why do you tell yourself, why is that feeling there? Because you know you have no margin anymore. You've exceeded your limit. And there's a part, a little voice in your conscience that says, that's not a good idea. That's not a great idea. Your load is, I have an hour to drive. Okay, that's a load. But you have to be there in an hour. That's your limit. You have an hour to drive, you got to be there in an hour. Do you have margin? No. And so you're stressed. You're speeding because you have given yourself no margin. So then what happens, think about this, when you're driving, you got no margin, you're, you're going to be right there, right on the nick of time. GPS says you're going to try to beat it by five minutes, but you know you're probably not going to do that. So anyways, you're going to try to beat it. What happens when you hit a detour, an unexpected, just for the day detour? You freak out. Some of you like hit the roof, you know, you start swearing. I mean, it just gets out of hand really quickly because obviously these construction workers, obviously these people didn't realize how important you are and how you got to get to where you're going. And Pastor Taylor's sitting here saying, well, did you have any margin? And listen, I'm fair here, fair here. I am preaching as just as much to myself as I am to you today. Okay. This is a message for me and you. Okay. When I speak it out loud, generally I do it better to myself, okay? So I'm not trying to, you know, speak from moral authority here because I'm terrible at it. And if you ever get coffee with me, you know, because I'm like five minutes late because I'm like, <sighs> I'm just trying to get one more thing in. But, you know, you don't have margin. There's no margin in your life. How is your financial life without margin? It's stressful. 
Some of you are in that season right now. How is romance in your life when you don't have margin, when you don't give yourself space between you and the other person? You just go head over heels, all in, you know, throw everything out the window, this is the one, and then you realize, "Uh uh-oh, I should have stepped back and looked at the picture before we got into this, and this is probably not a healthy thing for them or me. You earn the money, you spend the money. Uh Uh-oh, detour, now how do we afford blank, right? It just doesn't go well. Margin is this buffer between your load, what you got on your shoulders right now, got in your hands, got on your plate right now, and your limit. Give yourself margin. But here's the problem. This is where I think it kind of gets sadly funny. Often when we get some margin, we freak out. Oh my gosh, I got all this time on my hands. What what am I going to do? I got to do something. What am I going to, I just don't know how to sit here. I don't know how to rest. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to just take some time to process and be alone with my own thoughts. I got to be alone. I don't want to be alone. I got to go find someone. I go out to the bars. I got to go find someone. You know, I just, we just freak out. Some of you know, because you freak out when you don't have something to do, some tasks to accomplish. Some of us, we get, you know, we get a, an idea of something that we could do, um, or, or excuse me, we, we have some margin unexpectedly fall into our lap, and we use it poorly. We get it. We freak out, and then we have to do something with it, and then we do something that's not a really good idea. I don't know what you guys uh, remember about when COVID first started. Um, I know we try to forget COVID, but it's still there and going through. Okay, but, but when COVID first started, I remember taking my dogs into the vet, okay, over here at Pet Health Center, and, um, and uh, I, can't, I can't remember how she worded it, our veterinarian whom I love. She just said something along the lines of, we have seen so many, what? Puppies. <laughs> remember that? Everybody was out getting a dog. I got all this unexpected time, so I got to use it. What am I going to do? I got to get a dog. That's a great idea. A lot better than a cat, don't get me wrong, but... <laughs> but I got to get a dog, you know? Okay? And some of you, I get it. You had some good reasons for getting a dog. We always want to get some dog, and now we can potty train them, all this stuff. But now it's busy again, and we're like, oh, I don't have time for the dog. So sometimes we do some things that are pretty poor with it. You know, we get some animals, or we fill our time poorly with drinks, or some other recreational things that are out there. You know, we spend money in ways we probably shouldn't because we have well, what are we going to do with it? We just have some left over. You know, we binge watch things continuously. We got to fill it with something and not really rest. We don't really grow ourselves. We don't do things that leave us thinking, wow, we're better for that. And the last thing, I don't know if you've noticed this before, the last thing when, when we have margin kind of fall into our laps, okay, when we have margin, it's socially shamed. Nobody goes to your neighbor and says, you know what, I woke up today, this Saturday morning, and I just, you know, I sat back and I had a great cup of coffee, and I, uh, maybe some of you read the newspaper, but, you know, I just sat back and contemplated my decisions in my life, and I sat back and I read my devotional today, and I took some time to pray, and I got, you know, connected with my wife. I never hear that anymore. I got up, I got to go to this game, I got to go to that game, I got to take them here, I got to go there. So I'm not, I'm not even going to have a break until Monday morning, but then, oh, I got to go to work. And, and, and that's what we tell everybody, right? Because what happens if you were to go to your friends and you would say, yeah, that was my Saturday and I just, I just rested. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, exactly. Your friends would be like, how dare you? You know, <laughs> how dare you take that time? How dare you rest? Like God created you to rest. How dare you? This is why I'm saying we can't live without margin. 
yet we try to prove to everybody around us that we can. Build margin into your journey. This is rule number one. Build margin into your journey because you got to build it, my friends. It isn't just going to fall into our lap. Once in a while it will, but you got to build it in. That way when it does fall into your lap, you know how to handle it. But some of us are so out of practice having margin, we don't know what to do with it. So we got to build it into the journey. That way, this is the perfect solution to highway hypnosis. If you are falling asleep and you can't stay awake, you can have your wife hit you and slap you and pinch you as much as you want, but you're going to fall asleep. And I'm just telling you the best solution is to pull over. This is what it said in my driver's head book. Pull over at the rest stop and take a 20-minute nap. But if you don't have a 20-minute margin, and then that means you're going to be 20 minutes late, so you can't. So you just force your way through, which then hurts you, has the potential to hurt you, and everybody around you. Because dad's stressed again. Mom's stressed. They're all freaking out, and your kids are sitting in the back like, what's wrong with them? I'm just telling you, your parents are without margin. And guess what you're going to have later in life? You're going to have a margin problem because you haven't seen your parents do it. It's just, it's just not going to go very well. Build it in there. Build some margin into your life. You got to ask yourself this week, or maybe you look at back at last week and what happened last week or the week before that. Think back to that time when you were feeling stressed, when you were behind um, and, and you were you know, freaking out and all that kind of stuff. I mean, a- ask yourself, how much margin did you have in those moments? Or this week, when you're feeling behind or overwhelmed, ask yourself, okay, is there margin in this area of my life? And I bet you the answer is a definite no. No. That way, my friends, this is what's so incredible. When detours come up, because you and I both know detours are going to come up. We can't avoid them. They're going to come up. When they come up, you have space to tackle them. And you're not going to have to feel stressed and overwhelmed. Jesus had a lot on his plate, so much on his plate. People were coming to him that were sick, dying, needed guidance and help. They just needed to be loved. And Jesus knew as fully man and fully God that he needed to take some time to recharge and rest. He needed some margin in his life, even away from his own disciples, his closest followers. He said, you go there, I got to go take some me time, some God and me time. I got to build some margin into my life. Jesus would tell you, I think, he doesn't say this, but I'm just putting my own words into this. Jesus would say, there were points in my ministry that weren't miracles. They were just margin. It wasn't a miracle. It was just me having a plan in place, me intentionally doing what God had created me to do as part man. Rest and have margin. Build that time in. Build that margin in. Just a little secret. This is just from my personal experience. My personal experience, um, and I get if you may not be on board with this, but I'm just being frankly honest. I'm not trying to be weird, not trying to be, oh, that's just what the pastor's got to say or something like that. No, it's just, just honest truth. I have found in my life that Jesus' time is margin time. Jesus' time, the time that I have spent trying to figure out Jesus and understand Jesus, grow my relationship with Jesus, has also been margin time. I have never looked back on reading the Bible, learning about Jesus, quiet prayer time, listening to a podcast or a message, and looked back at that time and said, well, that was a complete waste. I just haven't done it. I leave that time, and in fact, I feel calm. I feel refocused on what matters, who matters. 
I've deepened my relationship with God, my heavenly father, and those around me. I argue less. I stress less. I worry less about the to-do items in my life. I'm just being honest with you. Even as an agnostic, I was thinking about this point that I was making here today. And I was thinking Jesus time is margin time. I even remember when I was skeptical, very, very skeptical for two years of my life, two plus years of my life. And I remember in those days when I debated Christians or argued with them or had discussions trying to figure out the whole Jesus thing, I can't tell you a time that I sat back, even reading books by other atheists and agnostics, I, I, I never remember a time reading those books and saying, well, that was a complete waste of my time. Because there is just something about time spent with our creator that is not only helpful and filling, but it gives margin as I do it. It's like two birds with one stone. Jesus' time is margin time. I felt fuller in Jesus' time. I felt um, an overflowing experience. I've learned there was periods in my life, I'm still working on this, okay? But there was times when I could live from what was overflowing out of my heart and my energy and capacity, my load. Spending time with Jesus like increased my limit. It's just a lot better. And it just lasts for a day. It lasts for weeks. Didn't just get me through a task. It got me through my week. And I just think if you wrestle with that or you choose to trust this idea of Jesus' time being margin time, I think your life, your journey ahead will be richer for it. Last week, um, we talked about baptism. I hope that was helpful for some of you. And, and you can go and watch last week's message on our, on our website. We'll give you a link here at the end of today's message. Um, but uh, a couple weeks ago, we got to celebrate someone's baptism. And, and her name is Liz. Some of you know Liz. And uh, Liz decided to go public with her faith in Jesus. Okay? And we went out to Kent Park and, and baptized her in the lake and we recorded it. Okay? And before that, she shared her story. We sat down out at Kent Park and she shared her story, which is what you're going to hear here in just a second. Okay? And when you hear her story, here's what I want you to listen for. I want you to listen for how she really felt like in her life, it was just a whir of emotions. It was a whir of things to do, of thoughts to tackle. She, she had categorized all that she had to do in check boxes. And she just so focused on, I got to check this box, check this box, and check this box. In fact, she had made her relationship with God just a matter of check boxes. Some of you grew up, and that was your version of Christianity. Well, so long as we get this done, this done, this done, we're good. And so she, she did find a relationship with check boxes. I challenge you to find a relationship in your life that you really care about and then make it into a checklist. It's not going to go well. Your wife will not appreciate it. Your husband will not appreciate it. That's not healthy. That's not healthy. And here, as she talks about that, the change that she chose to make and how it changed the direction of her life. Listen to that as you hear Liz's story. Here we go. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Booner. I accepted Jesus into my heart in first grade. I remember climbing onto my dad's lap in a red checkered dress, and I would ask him, Dad, how do I get Jesus in my heart? I don't remember any more details other than that. But I remember for years following, I doubted whether I had actually prayed the prayer. If I did pray it, did I even do it right? Every time there was a speaker on stage, either a pastor or at a conference, I would 
silently pray that prayer in my heart, hoping to goodness this is true this time. Just in case the first one hadn't worked. But nothing ever changed. The subsequent years following, I did what it is that Christians do. I did all of the right things, checking the boxes. I would go to church, I would go to youth group, I would pray, read my Bible. I would do my homework, use clean language, try to obey them, my parents, but they made it a little bit hard. And I even actually joined the church in high school because I felt that was the right next step to do. But even while I checked all of the boxes, I continued to feel like there was something missing. There was a restlessness inside of me that told me there was more, but I couldn't figure out what more there was to be had in Christianity. I was certain I'd already accepted Jesus into my heart, and I'd already joined the church. That was all I had to do, right? That unsettled, restless feeling persisted. I wanted to react reasonably every time someone canceled our plans or brushed off my help, but I would grow inexplicably frustrated every time. I would see my friends walk with purpose and wonder, how do they do that? How do they make decisions and walk forward without asking others for permission all of the time? I trusted that if I continued to check the boxes and do the right things, eventually something would happen. At the very least, the frustration would go away or the restlessness would subside. Well, that's kind of how it went down. That is, I kept doing and eventually something did happen. But not because of the schedule I had set for myself. I witnessed my first water baptism in church when I was a freshman in college. I was on spring break visiting a roommate's church, a home church, and I remember feeling the sense that I needed to go forward and be baptized as well. Completely unfamiliar with this water baptism thing, I shrugged it off and I remained planted in my seat. Each subsequent baptism that I witnessed, I would go through the same fight of battling this call forward. I would just remain seated and shrug it off saying, I've already accepted Jesus as my savior, I think, and I have joined the church. That is enough. After five years, I cannot tell you why I continue to wrestle with the idea of water baptism for myself. To be honest, I just wanted to walk away, forget, forget the church, forget baptism, forget Jesus. But I could never convince myself to leave. I continued to do the same routine, doing all the right things, but the fruit still felt non-existent. I continued to feel frustrated at the most pettiest of things. And I continued to walk without purpose and hold tight self-control to all of my time. During that time, the few years out of college, I began to have this unquenchable thirst. It drove me to find what, what was driving this restlessness. To be honest, it drove me to books, sermons, podcasts, conversations, anything I could get my hands on. In the search and in the conversations, I found that I had been living my faith out all wrong. I had limited God's access to me through checkboxes. Not consciously, I was just too busy to realize I was doing it. I decided to start slowly cutting out activities. And in the process, I was able to find more rest. I changed my gauge for why I chose to do an activity. Instead of, will this make someone happy? I started asking, will this allow me rest? As I began to rest more, my worrying emotions became 
more decipherable. And as I was able to identify my emotions more, I realized exactly how much of myself I had withheld from God. Rather than trying to memorize so much, and rather than trying to control so much of my time management, maybe I should leave the memory cards behind, and I should allow myself to just sit with no plan, and see what I hear, see what I see. Do you remember how I couldn't recall whether I'd actually prayed the prayer back in first grade and I just guessed? Well, in the resting, God has shown me that that prayer was all that it took. He gifted me with the memory of the red checkered dress and my dad in first grade and telling me that that prayer of faith was enough. Yes, I have believed all along, ever since I sat on my daddy's lap in first grade in that red checkered dress. But now I take the next step. I choose to let go of my control. I choose to release my scheduling and my plans and accept God's love for me. Instead of a relationship formed out of habit, out of controlling my to-dos and my checklists, I choose to engage with God as his daughter. I choose to let him control my schedule and my plans. Today I'm choosing to release control over my own life and accept God's love for all of me. Accepting the new life that he has baptized me into. So one, congrats to Liz making that decision and going public with her faith, but also to make a choice to build margin into life, to build margin that was then given to her heavenly father to say, Lord, where am I at? What do I need to be doing? How should I prioritize my, this gift of life that I have? Uh, and, and I don't think she would say that that time was a waste. It's not like God took that time away from her. In fact, that time was given back in a whole new way, in a new life, in a new value system, in a new way of looking at life and moving through it going forward. Liz has intentionally over the years built margin into her life. We talked about, Caitlin talked about small groups. Liz has been in a small group for three years now, year after year after year. And that has poured into her and helped her to take steps forward. So my friends, rule number one, Build margin into your journey. It's a long journey. It's a long journey. And you will be better served. Your time will be better used. Your stress level will be a lot better. Your heart will be a lot better when, it's, when there's margin in it. That's how Jesus lived. That's how God created us to live. And you will be better for it. If you would, bow your heads. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. Lord, thank you for Liz. Thank you for her story. Thank you for her decision to trust you with her life, which included her schedule and her priorities. Lord, help us to do the same. Help us to realize that the reason we feel behind, the reason we feel this weight on our shoulders is because we aren't living a life that you intended for us, that you created us in a certain way, and that way included and includes today having margin. Lord, help us to follow Jesus in that. Follow Jesus' model because that's part of following Jesus. It means trusting in him, but actually doing what he did. 
and he had margin, both in his rest, he took naps and storms, but he also went away to pray and to breathe and to fill and to grow. And we should too. Lord, help us to trust you, trust in that. And for those of us who've kind of been on the edge of baptism, maybe making that step, that you realize following Jesus is as practical as anything else. Maybe religion over the past has, has kind of clouded that and made it difficult to engage with the church and Christianity, but it is so incredibly practical, beneficial. Jesus came to help us, to show us how much God cared. Help us to trust that or wrestle with that in a way we haven't before. Help us to live a life with margin as you did and created us to do. In your name I pray, amen.